Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Howdy, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, is 877-973-7425. I hope the weather is great where you are. It is gorgeous looking out my office window. I'm so thankful to have this studio now here with this great view. Um, and it's just, it's, it's wonderful outside. There's hardly a cloud in the sky, except off in the horizon. Uh, Riley Gaines is going to join me at the bottom of this hour. If you're not familiar with Riley Gaines, she is the uh, NCAA athlete from Kentucky who has now become an outspoken feminist uh, against uh, trans women in sports. Uh, she was attacked recently at the University of San Francisco. I will ask her about that. Uh, interestingly enough, Salesforce, because of crime, decided today uh, that they are leaving the Salesforce building in San Francisco, a million square feet of business space. They're leaving it because of crime in San Francisco. Just just incredible. We'll get into a lot of that. But I want to start with 2024. Uh, when Donald Trump announced he's running for president, he also produced a small video. We played it. Nikki Haley produced a video. We played it. Vivek Ramaswamy produced a video. We played it. it. It's kind of my policy here is that we should be able to hear from these candidates unfiltered in their announcement videos. Uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is now announcing he's forming an exploratory committee to run for president of the United States. He did so in his video. This is the audio. On this day... April 12, 1861, in this harbor, the first shots of the Civil War were fired. And our country faced the defining moment. Would we truly be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all? America's soul was put to the test, and we prevailed. Today, our country is once again being tested. Once again, our divisions run deep, and the threat to our future is real. Joe Biden and the radical left have chosen a culture of grievance over greatness. They're promoting victimhood instead of personal responsibility, and they're indoctrinating our children to believe we live in an evil country. And all too often, when they get called out for their failures, they weaponize race to divide us, to hold on to their power. When I fought back against their liberal agenda, they called me a prop, a token, because I disrupt their narrative. I threaten their control. They know the truth of my life disproves their lies. See, I was raised by a single mother in poverty. The spoons in our apartment were plastic, not silver. But we had faith, we put in the work, and we had an unwavering belief that we too could live the American dream. I know America is a land of opportunity, not a land of oppression. I know it because I've lived it. That's why it pains my soul to see the Biden liberals attacking every rung of the ladder that helped me climb. If the radical left gets their way, millions more families will be trapped in failing schools, crime-ridden neighborhoods, and crushing inflation. Not on my watch. This is personal to me. I will never back down in defense of the conservative values that make America exceptional. And that's why I'm announcing my exploratory committee for president of the United States. 
I will defend the Judeo-Christian foundation our nation is built on and protect our religious liberty. I will stand up to communist China and restore opportunities for hardworking Americans to thrive and prosper. I will fight to give every parent a choice in education so their children have a better chance in life. I will defend our borders and our neighborhood streets, and I will protect our most fundamental right, the right to life itself. I bear witness that America can do for anyone what she's done for me, but we must rise up to the challenges of our time. This is a fight we must win, and that will take faith, faith in God, faith in each other, and faith in America. God bless our United States of America, and God bless you. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina announcing an exploratory committee for president of the United States. I'm happy I can confirm his attendance at the gathering in August in Atlanta, Georgia, where he will sit on stage with me and talk about his vision of America. Uh, We'll be confirming more shortly. Um, He is definitely going to be there. Vivek Ramaswamy will be as well. Uh, We can't yet confirm, but I, I think we'll be able to confirm Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis and a few others as well. Um, Tim Scott is a great, great guy. Uh, In fact, I was in the camp of people along with uh, many of his friends who didn't think he would actually do this because he's such a nice guy. (laughs) Deep cynicism in American politics that nice guys like Tim Scott don't run for president. They get roughed up, but that's why he's running. He's got a vision for the country that is decidedly optimistic about the future of the country, but also defensive of our heritage as Americans. What impresses me about Scott is that he is ruthlessly attacked by the left because he is a black man who refuses to vote Democrat and is a conservative Christian. That bothers them greatly, in large part because as long as Tim Scott stands on the national stage, he shows there's a path for Uh, Black voters in this country that does not require them to stay within the Democratic fold and that his vision might actually be better for them than the vision they voted for for 50 some odd years, where now the Democrats essentially tell them it's not our policies that failed you. We're just a bad, systemically racist country. That's what it is. That's the ticket, not us and our vision for the country. It's just the country itself is bad. Sadly, some people do actually believe that. For most Democrats, it's a cynical ploy so they don't have to answer why the policies they've advocated for, legislated and enacted, have failed the black family for so long. Tim Scott wants to do better. He wants to do different. And I'm excited about that for him. He is genuinely a nice guy. Now, there are those I'm already seeing saying, well, it's a non-starter. He can't win. This is DeSantis versus Trump. The more people we have in the field, the the better it is for Donald Trump. we got to stop Donald Trump. You know, listen, I believe objectively that, yes, uh, DeSantis is right now the guy positioned in the polling to give Donald Trump a run for his money. That is true. The fewer people who are in the race, the more it becomes a DeSantis versus Trump race. But that's not my problem. That's Ron DeSantis's problem. It's not my problem. 
everybody gets a chance to prove themselves and you've got a chance as an outside donor to fund the guy you believe in and you've got a chance to rough up Donald Trump if you want to rough up Donald Trump or at least try. Donald Trump was on Tucker Carlson's show last night uh, talking nice things about Gavin Newsom. You have a very ambitious guy in California, but he's done a terrible job with the state. I used to get along great with him, you know, when I was president. I had along, you know, got along really good, Gavin. But you got along with Gavin Newsom? I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me. He said the greatest things. He would say things like he's doing a great job. Oh, he was very About nice. About you? About me. That's why I could never hit him, because he was so nice to me. He's just laying in wait. Right? But I could, you know, I, he was very nice to me. And relatively speaking, some of them weren't. We did a good job for the governors. You really want to say nice that you, you've you said nice things about Stacey Abrams against Brian Kemp. You now you're saying nice things about Gavin Newsom. You said nice things about Charlie Crist to hurt uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, you you were in your interview last night praising Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin as really smart people who you got along with. Um, you in an interview recently said that if uh, Bruce Jenner or now Caitlyn Jenner came to Trump Tower, you would let her use whichever restroom she felt comfortable in, that it's not a big deal if a trans person wants to use the restroom of, of their gender identity. There are opportunities to take on Donald Trump from the right. He's got a record that he didn't have in 2016. Now, it is true that in 2016, media operators, including Fox News, uh, used Trump's words against him, and it didn't have an impact. But I think that's different from Republican candidates in the primary doing that as opposed to Fox News or CNN or uh, PBS or someone else doing that. Scott, however, doesn't want to run against Donald Trump. Scott wants to run with a vision for the country, and he has that right to sell that vision as he sees fit. And I don't think it's my place or anyone else's place to say, no, 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 you can't run. It can only be DeSantis versus Trump. And no, it could be Pence. It could be Haley. It could be Scott. DeSantis has to earn the vote just like everyone else. I am absolutely intrigued with his candidacy. I do tend to think that he probably has what it takes to go to the distance. He's going to have the fundraising. He's got the donors locked in. He's got an operation that doesn't talk to the national media. One of the things we're seeing on the DeSantis front right now is that a lot of people in the press are running stories negative towards DeSantis based on sources in Florida, presumed to be people in the DeSantis team questioning decisions, and the reality is they're not. The national press does not have sources within the DeSantis campaign, and this is presumed to be a weakness on the DeSantis side, but I don't actually think it is. Uh, the fact that he has a ship that does not leak is actually good. They don't play well with the national press. That will come over time as he becomes a candidate. His team begins to trust certain reporters who can help advance his side of the story. He doesn't have that right now. If and when, and it's when, not if DeSantis steps in, that will change somewhat. Scott, however, is one of those candidates who everyone likes. Even the Democrats behind the scenes, they like Tim Scott. They don't view him as a nasty guy. They think he's an honest broker. They have worked with him on um, even issues like police reform in the past. In fact, you'll probably see some Republicans attack Scott for working with Democrats on stuff like police reform. But he's just a nice guy who loves this country. And if anything else, be encouraged you have a nice guy who loves this country running for president of the United States. Nikki Haley and Tim Scott are going to have to fight over South Carolina and South Carolina donors. 
Haley, for her part, has released a campaign memo essentially saying it's time to move on from the Trump drama. It will be interesting to see if she says this on the campaign trail. She's actually attracting good-sized crowds in Iowa. She's been campaigning there for two days. Her fundraising is going very well for her. In fact, Nikki Haley's fundraising has surprised a lot of people who didn't think she'd be able to raise the money, and yet she has. She is another person who loves this country. It's notable to me the two people from South Carolina who are running for the GOP aren't white. And if the media were fair and balanced at all, they would point out that it is remarkable the two people representing South Carolina, home of Fort Sumter and the first shots of the Civil War, are not white. One is an Indian American uh, from an immigrant family, the other one a black man who descends from slaves, and these are the Republicans South Carolina is putting forward to the GOP. That is a remarkable sign of the progress this country has made in race and race relations, and if they were Democrats, the media would tell that story, but because they are Republicans, the media isn't saying jack about it. That's a remarkable, encouraging thing about how great this country is. And it is also very notable how the media itself isn't talking about that. Friends, we are not the systemically racist society Democrats say we are. And if you don't want to look at Barack Obama or Kamala Harris, look to Tim Scott and Nikki Haley from South Carolina, where the Civil War started. And those are the people Republicans are advancing. And that speaks well of both the party and the American public that this is progress. We have two happy warriors who love this country from South Carolina, one an Indian American female, the other a black man. And we should be singing their praises and the praises of this country that this is the future, not just of the Republican Party, but of the future of American politics. That is a good thing. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowling Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets. The highest quality, incredible craftsmanship with just unmatched softness. 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that it's true. I can tell you it's a big difference. And I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowling Branch sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for Cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something of substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot during the during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bowling Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews. Right now, get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, very, very happy to have you call in, but you got to be on topic today. I mentioned Salesforce in San Francisco earlier. Let me just dive into this a little more. Salesforce has given up a million square feet of office space in the city. Uh, they're moving out of what is called the Salesforce Tower. Uh, now, they're not getting rid of all of their office space in San Francisco. They're just getting rid of the most prominent office space in San Francisco. Salesforce is now working to sublease 104,000 square feet of space at 350 Mission Street. It's a 30-story office tower. 
that became known as Salesforce East when they leased it in its entirety. They've listed a majority of its space in the building on the sublease market. The latest listing is being marketed by a real estate firm and includes the top four floors being advertised as plug-and-play view space. They've been wanting to get out of San Francisco because of crime. San Francisco is increasingly a failed city. You had the murder of the inventor of the Cash App in the nice part of San Francisco last week. A stabbing attack. And California, Gavin Newsom, don't seem to know what to do with it. They're having massive layoffs in California. Uh, There are worries now about the California economy. You've got the massive homeless camps all over Southern California. Los Angeles homeless camp is growing. Thousands of homeless people there. And Gavin Newsom has decided to tour red states and attack red states as opposed to looking at what's going on in California and figuring out a way to do different. You know, I mentioned that absurd fact yesterday about uh, California allocated millions and millions of dollars to help first-time home buyers in California, and after two weeks, they had to shut it down because they only helped 2,300 homeowners put down payments down, and they were spending $300 million. And someone reached out to me and said, I think I must have heard you wrong. Did you really say they had $300 million and they only helped 2,300 people? That, that would be absurd. No, no, that is the actual data. $300 million only helped 2,300 people in two weeks, and they've run out of money. Failures of California continue to grow, and Gavin Newsom thinks he can take those and run against Ron DeSantis and be president of the United States. Good luck. I was, where was I? Uh, it was Thursday of last week, and getting ready for the Good Friday show around here. And Charlie texted me and says, are you looking at what's happening at at San Francisco State University? They have surrounded Riley Gaines, and they're not letting her out. It was a a bizarre, bizarre situation. If you're not familiar with Riley Gaines, she's the NCAA swimmer who has been very outspoken about uh, trans women competing against biological women in sports, that is men pretending to be women, and in many cases they're pretending because they sucked at men's sports and decided now they're going to be women to try to get ahead, uh, coming into women's sports. And she went to San Francisco State, and transgender activists essentially held her hostage there. And uh, <laughs> the the students are condemning her violence, Riley Gaines' violence. The violence was she spoke truth. And the truth itself apparently was violence. Well, we're going to hear some of that violence here because I have Riley Gaines with me on the phone. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? I'm doing good, Eric. How are you doing? Great. Um, So first of all, thank you for being outspoken on this issue. I've got a 17-year-old daughter who is just, I mean, visibly angered and perplexed by these issues and the stories of friends of hers who go to schools that are encountering these issues. And she's like, this is absolutely insanity. Why are adults letting this happen? And yet here they are, including at uh, San Francisco State. So I just want to let you talk and explain what happened at San Francisco State. Absolutely. Um, So what I've been doing this past year is trying to get in front of, um, obviously I've been doing lots of media. I've been going around state to state, 
testifying in different legislature, but a big part of what I've been trying to do is get in front of college campuses and talk to the younger generation, get them involved, let them see for themselves what's really happening and what's at stake if we don't speak truth and stand for common sense. And so um, I went to San Francisco State with the intent of getting in front of a different crowd, a crowd that I knew would, would not be likely to agree with me. And so I went, I gave my speech. Um, throughout the speech portion, it was relatively respectful. There was some heckling, but it was, it was civil. But it was after the speech where an ambush of people, um, trans rights activists, stormed the room. They flickered the lights, turned the lights off, rushed the podium to the front of the room where I was. And that's when I was physically assaulted and, and a police came and escorted me out of that situation to which we went in the hallway to where we were met with more ambushers. Um, and so that's when we had no other option because we couldn't. Uh, evacuate the building and so we went into a separate classroom building and that's where I was kept for essentially three hours and in this three hours the the mob they were screaming they were yelling they were chanting vengeful violent hateful things um, both to myself and the officers um, they were demanding and trying to negotiate money if I wanted to make it home safely negotiating with the dean of students who was negotiating back with them <laughs> and um, I missed my flight home I was essentially kidnapped. It felt like you, you, you mentioned it was, I was held hostage, but that's exactly what it was. You know, I, I was going to ask if, if you made your flight, uh, given just trying to get to the airport over there. Gosh, that, that just, it's so insane. I, I just, I, I, I got to imagine just you and your background and, and being an NCAA athlete, you, you probably never saw yourself when you headed off to college thinking, oh, I'm going to be the person who's going around the country explaining what's happening to women's sports. I, I suspect you wanted a career in something else. <laughs> I was supposed to be in dental school this year, and so clearly I'm not working on any teeth. <laughs> I um, my, my life trajectory of what I thought I had planned for my career is nowhere near what I'm doing. And by no means when I, when I started this, did I feel equipped or like the person who needed to be doing this? I thought surely there was someone with more um, background in this, this type of thing who could speak more adequately to this. And then I realized after they weren't, no one else was standing up. I realized, okay, I guess it's going to have to be me. And that's what it's been the past year and a half since I've taken a public stance on why having men and women sports in our, in our locker rooms is wrong. So now let's talk about that issue as well. Did, did, did you, uh, if I remember right, I think you did, um, and I can't remember the, what's his name, uh, from the University of Pennsylvania who's been competing in women's swimming. Did, did you ever compete against him? I did, yes. Right. At our NCAA championships last year, my senior year, um, Leah Thomas and I, we raced in the 200 freestyle, which ultimately resulted in a tie. So we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second, and after we tied, um, we go behind the awards podium and the official looks at both Thomas and myself and says, great job, but you guys tied and we only have one trophy. And so this trophy goes to Leah and Leah has to hold it for pictures. So Riley, you can pose with this one, but you'll give it back and you'll go home empty handed and Leah takes the trophy home. Good grief. Wow. I mean, it's even the issue of like, I just presumed I mean, we're on family radio here, but I just presume that if you were going to go that far, like there would 
at least be surgeries involved. And if you were a man who became a woman that you wouldn't have biological male parts running around in the women's locker room. But that apparently is not the case in that situation. And it just it baffles me that we're allowing this. Right. And it baffles me that that parents, more dads aren't sticking up to this, more coaches, because you're exactly right. What we experienced was a six foot four, 22 year old man who dropped his pants and he's fully intact with and exposing male genitalia, which I can't even tell you how what that feeling is like being a woman in a locker room where you're supposed to. You're, it's of course, locker rooms in general are uncomfortable, but you you have this sense of vulnerability in a locker room. Um, but that's all stripped away when you have someone of the opposite sex in there watching others undress. I, I, okay, so, and I, I started to be hesitant on this because I talk about this issue a lot, but in this real-world scenario, it really does just baffle me how there are so many people at the academic level, in the administrative level, in the media, who are just willing to tolerate what seems absolutely bat crap crazy to me, uh, allowing this. And you, you have parents who spend their time. I mean, like like my daughter is, is she's an artist, not an athlete. My son's an athlete. But just if my daughter was to spend my mornings and in, in, on the weekends going to matches, getting her coaches, training her to be excellent so she can get a scholarship, and then – Along comes a guy who can't compete against the men who decides he's a woman, and we're supposed to be like, okay, competitive advantage? No, you don't have one. Right, I know. And as parents, you you see what goes into it. You see how hard your daughter works. And you, from a parent's perspective, you've put in the time, too, in taking your daughter to practice and um, the finances behind paying for these sports. Because sports nowadays, I know swimming is not cheap, so you guys get it. Um, there's so many more people involved here than just the female athlete. This is something that affects not just the young girls or, or, or um, girls competing. It affects men as well. It affects the male athlete. It, of course, affects the parents. These coaches even feel like their their voices are being suppressed. They're put in a hard position because they want to protect their their athletes, but they don't want a lawsuit. They They don't want to have the fear of losing their job. So there's so many more people here who are put in a sicky situation than just the athletes. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize. Um, We're just expected almost in in a way to smile and step aside and let these men take our spots on the podium. Um, But I I think in general, a lot of eyes have been opened, especially with everything that happened at San Francisco and how that administration responded. And I think the tides will start turning soon. Um, People are are realizing, you know, this isn't something that's happening on a one-off basis. This is something that's happening at a rampant rate, um, exponential, really. And it's it's not just happening. It's being encouraged and it's being celebrated. Look at Dylan Mulvaney um, with all the Nike stuff. And and he has a Tampax sponsorship. In what world? I mean, talk about not knowing your demographic. (laughs) This is like marketing 101, but I don't think Dylan Mulvaney needs a Tampax sponsorship. And so really what it is is a mockery and it's of women and it's degrading and it's offensive. Okay. Now, before I let you go, you've got uh, what Megan Rapone or whatever her name is, the, the soccer player out there who for years uh, campaigned on equality in sports and not getting paid as much as the men. Uh, and now she's got her millions and suddenly she's out there campaigning against rules that would prohibit uh, men from playing in women's sports and saying we should allow 
we should allow trans women into the sports. Uh, she herself got beat by a middle school soccer team one time, as a, and yet is convinced that that uh, sex doesn't matter when it comes to sports. It seems like you've got a lot of people out there just undermining women's sports in general once they've gotten their glory and treasure and fame. Absolutely, and that's what we've seen, not just Megan Rapino. There's so many athletes, female athletes, who – I mean, even look at Billie Jean King. She once fought relentlessly for women's sports. She, we have a lot. We have her to a credit, really, for Title IX. But now these same athletes are working relentlessly to destroy what they once fought for. And so it's ironic that they call themselves feminists because what they're fighting for, I call it faux feminism, um, because they're fighting to take away women's rights. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, just like you, sh- like you said, she fought so hard for equal pay and equal resources and equal access. And now, like you said, her athletic career is done. She's not playing anymore and she doesn't have a daughter to defend. So why wouldn't she want to be seen as, as this person who is inclusive and kind when it doesn't affect her? She has nothing to personally lose, but in reality, it's not kind to allow a man to share a locker room with a girl. And it's not inclusive to allow a man to take a girl's spot on the podium or scholarship or trophy. It's actually exclusive to the very female athletes who Title IX and the women's sporting category as a whole was created to recognize and celebrate. Now, one last question for you here before I let you go, and thank you for your time on this. You mentioned you feel like we may be turning a corner. Do do you see that in, in the conversations you're having with people? Does it seem like we might be coming back to some level of sanity on this issue? I, I really, really do. Um, I get messages privately I mean, the past year I've been outspoken about this. I get messages privately all the time from parents, even even people who are lifelong liberals who see what's happening in sports specifically, and they see how unfair it is because that's, again, the whole argument is that it's unfair. So will message me privately and say, you know, I, I, I can't say anything publicly because, again, I don't want to lose my job. I, I don't want to step on any toes or ruffle any feathers. But I'm seeing people become more and more bold in stating the truth and stating common sense, the science, the reason, the logic behind it all. And so it makes me hopeful. I think we've, the pendulum has swung just a bit too far. And I, again, I think the San Francisco incident, I think it came back to bite them in the butt because all it did was highlight how unhinged these people can be just for expressing my perspective. Um, it increased my social media following. It increased the amount of people who have publicly come out and said, Hey, this is really wrong. And so I, I believe hopefully soon um, changes will be made to, to stop this from happening at all levels in all sports. Well, I sure hope you're right. Uh, and listen, I, I can't thank you enough, one, for, for spending some time with me on the radio to talk about this, but also just doing what you're doing. Again, you, you're supposed to be in dental school and and instead taking up this cause and giving voice for a lot of people who, like you said, I, I get real progressives text me all the time that this is nuts and that they need our side to speak up because they're scared of what will happen to themselves. And so God bless you for speaking up on this. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on and continuing, allowing me a platform to continue shedding light on it. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Riley Gaines, uh, who is out across America on this issue, held hostage last week by transgender activists at the University of San Francisco, demanding money. Uh, before they would let her go, uh, they wound up not paying. Uh, police had to be involved. Just uh, God bless her for doing this. Uh, it really, y'all, it actually is just kind of insane to me that you've got progressives out there 
who for years and years and years, it's just been settled science that men have a physical strength that women do not have. We see it in the real world all the time. And they suddenly have decided that that's not actually the case. And don't believe your lion eyes. Don't believe the science. Don't believe the chemistry. And, and let's just do this. You know what it really reminds me of more than anything else? It's, it's, it's the, that, that passage in Romans 1. It just, um, it, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. reptiles. Um, that, that just, that they have been, we're seeing in real time Romans 1 play out. Now, I want to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Uh, you can get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. Put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, on the front page of that website. What is the Eden Pure Thunderstorm? Well, it's an air purifier. If you need something to get rid of dust or pollen, it works, and it's filterless, so you don't have to have a subscription. You just wipe off the electrostatic plates every once in a while, and it works. But beyond that, it's an odor eliminator, and that's how I use it. I keep one with me when I travel because you can plug it up with a USB cord or you can plug it directly into a wall. And you can get three of them for less than $200 by putting Eric in at EdenPureDeals.com. It wipes out odors, smoke odors, litter box odors, general pet odors, cooking odors, musty odors. That's why I travel with one. If you get a rental car, like I had to do it this week, I have to have a rental car this week and uh, plugged it up because the car stunk. It was the air freshener or whatever that they used in the car, I guess, to cover up other smells and everybody in my family had an allergic reaction to it, but the Eden Pure eliminated it, uh, that odor. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC. You get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you get free shipping. Hi there, it's Eric Erickson. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan across the nation, wherever you are. If your business is looking to grow, you might be able to benefit from First Liberty. Uh, where other lenders are giving people a hard time in this economy, First Liberty makes their own lending decisions. And they're interested in you if you're buying a building or building a building or you're buying a franchise, buying out a competitor or your business partner. Reach out to them if you need $750,000 or more. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Again, uh, yes, they're in Noonan, Georgia, but if you're in Portland, Oregon or Miami, Florida or wherever in the United States, they can help. Uh, FirstLibertyGA.com. So I, I, I want to I want to raise an issue for y'all that I'm deeply frustrated about. As is my wife. Uh, our daughter is a very talented artist. She won a bunch of awards yesterday at a local competition, but she came in fourth on digital art, and they docked points and accused her of using a like using a photo and putting a filter over it as her digital artwork, which wasn't true. It looked so much like the photo that they accused her of using a filter, took points off for the whole world to see, like their explanation of why she lost is that, well, she essentially cheated. They never bothered to ask her. And she can pull up the file and show you this was not a filter over a photo, she drew this sucker out by hand, and she can back you through it. They never bothered to ask. 
Uh, now, this happened to her last year, too, uh, in a competition. And they called her and said, uh, is this a filter? And she said no, and she had to prove it to him. She had to show, pull up the file on the iPad in Procreate and reverse, 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 reverse all the pin strokes. And so they could see um, how she'd, she'd done it by hand. It was really just as a parent, it's just really aggravating that uh, they, they accuse your kid of doing something she shouldn't do in a competition, and they never bothered to verify that it was this case. And had they just let her pull up her iPad and let her go step by step in reverse, they would have seen that she started with a grid. And then from the grid, she hand drew. And then from hand drawing, she colored. And I mean, I got to be honest, I thought she probably cheated too. It's that good, but she could prove she didn't. Um, and the fact the judges didn't want to ask, just as a parent, gosh, that just gets under your skin. My wife's writing the angry letter on this one.